say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and he's back. Oh my gosh, Chad Ford. He's brought it again. It's Dangerous Love. But you know what the real deal is? Here's the real deal about Dangerous Love. You know what? It's not soft. It's not easy. You know what? It's going to be hard. That's why it's so dangerous. It's risky. Here's the deal, folks. We all have to deal with conflict. I don't care what it is, but we're going to deal with conflict in our lives. Whether it's conflict with your children, conflict with your spouse, conflict with your mate, conflict with your colleagues, conflict with your bosses. How do you overcome it and not have a bad attitude? How do you do it? How do you, how do you overcome the conflict in a way That isn't about managing the conflict, but is about really bringing restitution. That's the question. And then you're going to have to ask yourself a hard question here, because here's the deal. Here's what Chad's going to lay on you really, really thick, okay? Because you want to know the truth? It's up to you. Large part of this is that you have to make the decision. And you know, quite frankly, I know that some of you out there have said to me personally, Well, I just don't want to. I don't want to turn and be the first one. Why do I have to be the first one? Well, guess what? Chad's going to answer those questions for us today. But listen, before we get to that, because it's going to be a powerful show, because you know what? Here's the truth. I mean, look, we're we're Valentine's Day weekend and everything, but the truth I know is that every relationship is not perfect. But when when you can come together through conflict, right, where you can actually come together, and be one, and be whole. You know what? That's really love at its best. And isn't that what we all really want? Right? So before we do that, so let's let's talk about what we talk about, you know, your four areas of your training in your life, right? We're all in training right now. Here's the deal, right? We're in the pandemic, right? We got to be training these four areas of our life, right? Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, because the fact of the matter is, as we all know, right, you know, you don't rise to the occasion when you're under pressure, when you're under stress, when you're under duress, when you're exhausted, you fall back to the level of your training, period. So, so that means you have to be training every day, somehow, some way, right? So we look at these four areas, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So let's take physically, like how's your training going? And what you're going to do is you're going to evaluate yourself on a scale of one to 10, one being my training's not very good at all, and then 10 being my training's awesome. Right, and what do I mean by your physical training? All right, well, what I mean by your physical training is how well are you, are you getting enough exercise? Right, are you eating right? Are you drinking enough water? And are you getting enough sleep? Right, I'm just going to limit it to those four things. If you could evaluate yourself on those four areas exercise, diet, sleep, and water, if you could put to, how would you rate your training on a scale of one to ten, five being average? All right, that's your first number. Your second number is your mental number, right? And what do I mean by your mental number? What I mean by your mental training is what are you doing to be an active participant in growing in some sort of knowledge or wisdom or understanding of something either that you do in your profession or in your life, right? Because here's the here's the truth. The truth of the matter is, you know, we have a tendency to sit and be mental loafers where we just let information come at us and we really are not being active participants in really training our brain, right? We we sit back and we just kind of let people tell us what we think, right? 
We're not picking up books. We're not reading. You know, we're not doing things that we can actively participate in our growth, right? Because we're lazy. So on a scale of one to 10, if you were to evaluate how well you are actively participating in your mental growth in terms of your knowledge of what you're doing, in terms of your, um, in terms of your knowledge of understanding who you are and what you do and what you're doing in your professional life. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're doing something else to expand your brain, like taking, taking up an instrument or, you know, maybe learning a foreign language. How would you rank yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? All right, two numbers. All right, third number is the emotional training, right? By the way, you're in emotional training every day because we've got stuff happening to us all the time, right? I mean, there's all sorts of emotional things happening, right? I mean, listen... It, and it comes down to two things when it comes down to emotional training. One is how well are you able to control your emotions when things come out of nowhere at you, right? The beautiful thing about what Chad talks about is emotional control is so critical to dangerous love. It really is. Because what happens is when we don't have very good emotional control, we have this self-deception that, and we get very uh, egotistical we get extraordinarily selfish because it's all about, it's, it's your fault then, it's not about me. But that's not really, that's not emotional accountability, right? So the question is, your emotional accountability, how well are you able to control your emotions under stress and duress and pressure? How are you doing in that area, right? And then the second part of the emotional training is, how well are you able to understand and tap into the emotions of other people? Do you truly understand? Do you have the emotional grammar to understand how others are feeling? Right? You know, we have a tendency here in this in this area, too, in terms of our uh, emotional training. We have this tendency to just kind of like lump sum everything into three basic emotions. Happy, sad, and angry. But the truth of the matter is there's so many variations within that. And we have to learn an emotional grammar if we really want to connect with other people. Because, you know what, some people are not just angry. Sometimes they're a little miffed or a little frustrated, right? You know, sometimes people aren't just happy, you know, they feel good, right? You know, they, 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 have, other, they have other emotions, right? And having that emotional vocabulary and then being able to sit and listen is critical to your emotional training. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you evaluate your emotional training? And then finally, the spiritual training, right? And the spiritual training is really quite easy because it's we're all spiritual, whether you want to believe that or not, we all, we all are. <laughs> you know, we all believe in something. Uh, we, all, we all have faith in something. We all have faith that something's going to happen. Uh, we all have, we sometimes don't even recognize it as faith, but it's really true. We, you know, we make plans for the future and we have faith that they're going to happen. And so we believe in it. And that's spiritual, you know, we also have this spirit inside of ourselves, you know, that drives us, that can take us to another level that just science just can't explain. It's the spirit of the human spirit, right? But we're all spiritual, right? And so often I say, you know, you know, what is the spiritual part of you that brings you back to a centered place or brings you back to a sense of joy in the midst of chaos, whether that be God or nature or meditation or something else. The question is, is it working? And then how's it going for you? And how's that training going? Right? So give that a number. So now you have four numbers, right? And four numbers are like the legs of a chair. 
right? As we talk about, the legs are uneven. You know what? It's bad on our posture over the course of time. So you want to make sure that our little legs are even, so that we're sitting right and have the right posture. And then at the same time, we want to make sure that the chair is not too low, because if the chair is not too, if the chair is too low, we can't sit at a table and actually eat the nutrients that we need to eat. And speaking of someone who is so well balanced, his name is Chad Ford. Chad has been living five lives simultaneously for nearly 20 years. He's been an international conflict mediator. He's been a college professor, a senior consultant facilitator for the Arbinger Institute, an executive board member for Peace Players, a writer, analyst, and entrepreneur covering the NBA and NBA draft for ESPN. While most people know him for his work at ESPN, being a basketball analyst and writer, um, he actually has a side gig for most of the last two decades um, where he, Chad works peace building work, and that, in his mind, defines him. And I believe it does. Uh, he completed his master's degree in conflict analysis and resolution from George Mason University, and he's got a Juris Doctorate uh, in, uh, from Georgetown University of Law. Uh, in Hawaii, he's created a major uh, and certificate program in intercultural peace building, peace building, meditation, and facilitation. Chad and his wife, Amanda, who teach courses in family conflict, transformation, and mindfulness, have worked with thousands of students over 90 countries around the world, Chad's work has earned him Professor of the Year Honors at BYU-Hawaii and made uh, intercultural peace building one of the most popular programs on campus. He's made nearly 50 trips to the Mideast and has worked on numerous other conflicts around the world as both media and facilitator. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome back to A New Direction, Chad Ford. Welcome back, Chad. Hey, thanks for having me back on the show. That's a That's an honor to be back. You know what? You know, you're one of the most popular shows we've had, <laughs> honestly. Uh, people people really were intrigued by, you know, dangerous love. And I got to be honest with you. You know, I think people, when they hear dangerous love, I think there was, there was a couple things that happened from that show. One was it sparked so much, um, so many questions from people who said, who, who said, well, what about this? What about that? What what about this? How does this how does it play out here? So I thought maybe what we, you and I can do is maybe pull a few of these scenarios, um, and and also kind of as we kind of weave through the book, right? But I think I think it's really really important, and I'm going to start kind of towards the back of the book here, because you you make a point in the book to, for us to understand, and I think this is a, and I'm saying this really because there's a lot of business people that occasionally will say, love in the business place? Are you kidding me? But the truth of the matter is, you talk about that dangerous love is not a kumbaya experience. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, you, you've probably heard this phrase before, oh, what are we supposed to do, sit around and sing kumbaya, <laughs> right? It's a reference to this 60s folk song where people like, I bring peace by getting in a drum circle or holding hands and, and you know singing this song and it is really re- meant to represent, I do think, a misunderstanding about dangerous love. And I'm glad that you brought it up, that that dangerous love is soft, or that when I say love, I'm referring to like romantic love or even the sort of love that means like, like I'm supposed to like my enemies, mm. uh, for example, or like my boss at work or whatever, whatever it is, or like my partner who I personally feel is disrespectful to me or even abusive to me. I'm talking about the sort of love that means I see another person so clearly that their needs, wants, uh, and desires matter as much to me as my own, not more than mine, right. but not less than mine, right? And that right. is what sets us up for collaboration, which to me is the key 
to doing really good conflict transformation, to doing real, really great peace building is that we're collaborating, we're problem solving together. But I can't do that as long as I don't see you as a person, as I see you as an object, as long as I see that you, whatever it is that you want or need or desire, it doesn't matter as much as what I need, want and desire. And that's what leads to so many uh, broken relationships at home, what means that leads to so much dysfunctional uh, space in the workplace and even leads to, you know, the sort of dysfunction that we see in our community and our country uh, right now is because I, I can't muster that sort of energy or feeling towards another person that I disagree with. You know, that's, this is, this is interesting that you say that and you bring this up because we truly are living in a country divided, you know, whether we, I mean, it's, it, it, it was that, it was that close, the election. And so the country is truly divided and, and, right. and, and, and by the way, there's no, there doesn't appear to be any sort of a gray area, right? And I'm a guy. I'm a guy who believes that there's always gray, right? I, I just believe. I don't believe that everything is just simply black and white. That there's a bunch of gray area out there. But I think because people want things black and white because it simplifies it for them in their mind. I think the idea that dangerous love, I think to them, is a little fuzzy it doesn't have that black and white do you think that's part of why they have a hard time grasping it because i think yeah it- I, I think it's love right i think it's the word love and and we have this problem in the english language that when we say love we mean a lot of different things mm, right? Um, right if you go to other languages uh like interestingly sanskrit has 267 words for love mm. uh, right if you go to another culture but we have we have really uh one Right. Even if you go to Greek, you have three, and Greek is actually really helpful because I think it's something um, that a lot of Americans would understand. Uh, the, you know, the Bible was translated out of out of original right. Greek, and so you have this eros, which is like um, romantic love. Right. And a lot of times when I say I love you, I mean I'm attracted to you, and that's right. what I mean. Or we have this philia, which means that I like you, right? And so it's a love that means we're friends, we're, we're, we hang out. We even say that we love chocolate or pizza or things right. like that because we mean this sort of affection for something that we like. Maybe not romantically, but we like it. But there's this other word, agape, uh, that the Greeks have, which is this sort of love that says, I love you because you're you're a human being, because you count the same way that I count. doesn't mean that we have the same interests. doesn't mean that we're attracted to each other, right. but it means that you count because you're a person. So when you see this, what happens, I think, and why people feel it's soft is that they, we, when we typically are using love, we're using those two easy, what I call easy love words, right? right? right. And it's easy to love people that we like or that we're attracted to. But when neither of those things are happening, I'm not attracted to you, and I really don't like you right now because you hold mm. a, a belief or an opinion or you're doing something at work or at home that I don't disagree with, love kind of takes a run for it. Right. And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to like you even though you're mistreating me or misbehaving me, or I'm supposed to like you because you support a, a president or a political belief or whatever that I find to be personally sort of repulsive. Right. And the answer is no, that's not what I'm calling for here. Right. And so I'm asking you to do something that's actually really hard. And it's not soft, it's actually really strong, which is how do I engage my enemy and show them enough respect? that I'm going to listen and engage with their point of view and roll up my sleeves to work on a solution together to problems that face us, even when I don't necessarily like you 
or um, am attracted to you. And that's actually really hard work. That's why conflict becomes destructive because most people don't want to do that hard work. So it's far from soft. It's actually dangerous. And that's why I use that term. It actually feels like being vulnerable towards someone that I, that doesn't get me, um, that, that doesn't, you know, fly the same flag that I fly, um, that is in an opposite part of an organization that I think is a threat to me. Uh, that's actually the scariest stuff that we do as human beings. And, and so what I'm calling on you to do is actually something that's actually scary, not something that's soft or easy. We're, we're talking with Chad Ford, uh, author of the book, Dangerous Love. And, you know, you talk about here, that, and you're alluding to it all over the place, that, you know, when we talk about love, and by the way, I love the fact that the Greeks used agapao as the verb, and it's an action, and the whole idea that it's committed regardless, right? It's just, com- it's absolutely committed to the other person. The thing that I think people miss when it comes to love so frequently is we attach an emotion to love. And the reality is it's an action. And I think to me, when I read Dangerous Love, and I've read it now, what, three or four times, when I read Dangerous Love, it's an action. And, it, and, 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 and it's something that you, you have to be, you have to, you can't, it's not a feel, it's not about your feelings. It's about your actions. Do I, yeah. I got that right? Yeah, well, I I think it's two things. It's about, I agree, it's not about your feelings. It's about a mindset shift, first of all. Mm. And I actually think that's really important, right? It's about changing the way that I see conflict and the people that I'm in conflict with. And then it's an action, right? And interestingly, do those two things, change your mindset and then act appropriately because of it. And ironically, your feelings will start to change, right, towards the person um, that you're with. But if um, if you're just asking someone change your feelings towards this person um, in the moment, that is what seems impossible or unrealistic or pie in the sky. Because how am I going to do that when I when the, we're clearly so polarized, we, we just see things differently. That's not what I'm asking. But changing the way that I see someone is a really, really powerful tool. And, and some people refer to it as, as mindset. And Carol Dweck has a great book about, about mindset. The Arbinger Institute's written about outward mindset. Mm. It's really shifting how I perceive and see myself and others uh, in the world. And if I can do that and then act on that appropriately, everything about the conflict begins to change uh, in, in a positive, constructive way. And I've seen the worst of enemies go through this experience and really be able to problem solve together. And by the way, it doesn't mean at the end that they're best friends, they move in together, right, 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 uh, right. right or, or things like that. And, and I don't think that's, that's a requirement for an organization or for a, a community or for a country. But it does mean that we have to recognize that we are all in this together. Yeah. And though that we have real differences, there are things that we have in common with each other that we need to work on together to be able to get to where we need to go as a, as a group, as, a, as people, as a species. You use the word reconciliation, and I love the word, word reconciliation. I, do, I think sometimes, though, that people, I think they walk into the situation going, there's no way we're going to reconcile. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that, right? Then they're going to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 
that there's just there's the mindset just, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, think about it. If I say, look, there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to run five miles, then I'm never going to put on the shoes and start training mm. to run five miles. Beautiful. Right. I'm never going to, I'm never going to put in the work to actually get there. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, and so that, you know, this happens all the time. I'll be working with people in the beginning, the initial stains, and they'll say, okay, look, I- I'm really flexible. I can do this. I can do the dangerous love, but you don't know my husband the way that I do. There's no way no matter who you talk to, that they're going to change. They're the most stubborn people that I know. It's not going to work. Right. And and what's really fascinating is most of the time when I get the husband in the room, you know what the husband says to me? Um, look, I'm pretty reasonable. Uh, I, you know, I can work through this stuff. I, I I know that I can I can raise my game. But my wife, I'm just telling you right now, there's no way that she's ever going to be able to do it. And, and so one of the most interesting things that I see is usually when we say this isn't going to work. What we're actually saying is it's not going to work because the other person isn't going to do the work, mm. um, right? I, I'm willing to do the work, but but I know the other person, and they, trust me, I know them better than you. They're not going to be they're not going to do the work, and because they're not going to do the work, we're not even going to try. And what a what a what an amazing self defeating, mm. um, weak way to sort of look at the world, right? Everything's out of my control. And I've convinced myself that it's always going to be bad for me. It's never going to work. So why even try in the first place, Jay? And uh, and so, you know, when you say that, you know, reconciliation, it's not going to work. I, I, I laugh because if that's your mindset, and this is where we're talking about mindset, right. you're actually going to be right. <laughs> you're going to be right. right. And then you're going to walk around telling me, I told you, I told you this wasn't going to work. Right. But you never put in the work in the first place to see if it would actually work. His name is Chad Ford, and he has written the book called Dangerous Love. And I got to tell you something, it's an outstanding book. And you're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, I've got two great. I got two great sponsors, right? Epic Physical Therapy. I talk about them frequently. They've opened up a new facility. The professional athletes use them all over, from all over the world. Actually, come in and use Epic, and they fly in and they use. Why? Well, because. You know what? They have some of the best equipment. They also are some of the most certified uh, trainers. They work with, I mean, these these are these they work with elite athletes. I mean, that's just what they do. Listen, if you're recovering from an injury or surgery, maybe you're suffering every everyday aches and pains. Maybe you're having difficulty performing activities of daily living. Doesn't matter. Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan that's tailored to your individual needs. So, you know what? When you're ready for your epic relief and your epic recovery and your epic results, don't look any further. Go to Epic PT. That's EpicPT.com, E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Crafted Team Realtors for th- over 35 years. She's been at the top of the real estate game. How has she done that? Well, it's because her relationships are the most important part of her business, period. Right? I mean, yeah, they. she had for years the logo of Linda Craft knows her business. And she does know her business. But the truth is, what she really does know is the relationships of the people. Her very first client from 1985 still comes and see her today. That's right. Why do her clients continue to return? Well, I'll tell you why. Because she understands that, you know what, your home is really made of memories. And those memories and relationships are the most important things that you have. And that those are the things you're going to take care, take with you at the end of the day. And so because because of that, that's why her clients call her the literally the legend of customer service. So when you're ready to sell your home or buy your home, regardless of where you're at in the world, she has is connected with the best professionals. Just go to lindacraft.com. Start there. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here with Chad Ford on A New Direction. And Chad, 
I, before I, I before we get into some of the specific stuff, I want to talk about chapter 17 here a little bit because three words uh, that you don't associate with love: truth, mercy, and justice. Those are three words that we that we don't often associate with with love, but yet that is that is you say dangerous love requires us to be open to alternative expanded stories about both of us stories that expose both our weaknesses and our work stories that open us up to the idea that we are involved in the same source of self deceptions that invite us to see others as, as, and as they are. That's one thing a victim and victimizer has in common. Talk to us about truth, mercy and justice and, and dangerous love. Yeah. Um, this is a, a stage in the book where I'm the end. And I, I spent a lot of the first half of the book talking about overcoming our fear of conflict and the fear of people that we're in conflict with so that I can, I can see them, right? I can change the way that I see them. And then we talk about this action thing that you talked about, which, which I call in the book turning first right. and turning first is I'm going to be the first one to do something with this new mindset. That's going to be helpful. That's going to be invitational to the other person. And then, of course, what we want, I think what we all desire is then the other person turns back towards us, right? The other person comes and says, you know what? I want to reconcile with you, this word that we're talking about. Mm. And this is a part in the book where I'm talking about things that are helpful in inviting and actually creating that space, right? So if I want to reconcile with someone, if I want them to be back in relationship with them in a positive, constructive way, what are some things that I could do? Uh, to invite that, right? And the first one, truth, is in some ways for many people the hardest one, which is that I have to sort of own up to my part in this conflict and, mm-hmm. and what I've done or what, what what I've done that's hurtful to someone else in the relationship. And as we know, this is really hard to do. It's hard to admit mm-hmm. that we were wrong. It's hard to admit um, that we've hurt other people. It's much easier to blame. It's much easier to justify ourselves and come up with reasons why it isn't that bad or why they started it or what have you. But when you do that towards another person, you do it without justification and you do it with, with sincere honesty towards person, it's invitational. It invites them to look at their own life and say, oh man, maybe I also contributed to it. I can't tell you how many times when I've done this that the other person turns around and says, well, you're not the only one and let me tell you what I've done. And now, now we've got something to work with. Right. Mercy is interesting because I do think sometimes mercy is associated with love, but it's right. the only thing, right? And so what if I really love somebody, you just forgive them and move on, right? That's, right. you know, forgive and forget. You know, we hear this a lot. And, and I think that forgiveness and mercy is part of the equation, but all of these things work together. It's hard to have mercy without truth, right? Mm, it's hard to forgive when the other person's saying, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything or they're gaslighting you or they're mm. denying, you know, their role in it or whatever. It's really hard to feel forgiveness towards someone, um, right? When they're doing those things. So we pair truth and forgiveness together. And we sort of think about now that we've been able to open this up, how do we say that, okay, look, I can't forget what happened in the past, but I'm no longer going to allow it to be our relationship between me and you anymore. And that's the definition uh, from Bishop Desmond Tutu, who worked in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa that I I really like because it's not the unrealistic, oh, I'm just going to forget about it and move on. But it's saying that I'm no longer going to let that be a barrier between us and our relationship anymore. And then justice, I mean, this is a hard one. And, you know, we have a lot of discussions about this in our country and around the world. 
if I've hurt you in some way because of what what's happened in the conflict, if you've suffered because of that, how do I make you whole? Right. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say, you know, hey, Jay, I, I stole your truck. I ran it into a tree. I want you to know I did that. And I'm really sorry. And Jay can be like, okay, Chad, um, but I still got a busted up truck um, over there. And, you know, who's going to take care of that? And I'm like, well, hey, hey, Jay, we're not talking about that right now. You're just supposed to forgive me. That's that's what love really looks like, right? Just forgive and let's move on. And understand you have a busted truck right now, uh, right? But, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's be bigger people about it and let it go. Well, that's easy for me to say. That's hard for you, right? And if right. I truly want to invite you back in that space, I'm, uh, Jay, I'm going to get your truck fixed. Or if I can't get your truck fixed, Jay, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you a new truck. And you know, some of that's actually easier to do when uh, when we talk about some of the other ways that we hurt people, um, whether it's re- abuse or gossiping or you know what have you. It's harder to go back and just erase that. Right. But I work with a person and try to figure out how do I make you whole again. And and this is where I think a lot of people want to stop. They want to say, yeah. okay, I'm willing to say something. I'm willing to say I'm sorry, but if you're asking me to now do something, and we talked about this with action, to try to help make this person whole, that's that's where the line stops for me. And in, in my experience working with thousands and thousands of people and everything from political conflicts right down to like marriages, that's a critical part of this. I, it, it's part of me showing you that I feel remorse for what's happened, that I'm invested in our relationship. I'm invested in helping things go right for you and us in the future. And I'm going to try to the best of my ability uh, to make things right uh, for you. And when we combine those three things together, along with a fourth thing that I talk about in the book, which I, I name it peace, but it's really like, I'm going to help set into motion things that, that give you confidence that this isn't going to happen again. So right. if I was abusive, uh, I'm not just going to say, hey, I was abusive and hey, I'm sorry. And hey, I'm going to pay for your hospital bills or whatever. I'm going to check myself into a rehab program, mm. an anger management program. Right. And so when I re-back engage with you, you're going to have some level of confidence that I'm not going to do this again, right? That I'm going to make the changes that I need to make to make sure that we're never going to happen again. You combine those four things together, people reconcile. If you take any of them out of the equation, the chances of reconciliation start start to go down. Right. And so if we start thinking about this, and, and this is, I think, the key last thing I'll say about it, I, I don't need to think about it in terms of what Jay should do for me, right? Jay should be giving me the truth. Jay should be forgiving me. Jay should be giving me justice. Jay should be checking himself into whatever, read my book or whatever <laughs> it is in return. I should be thinking about me. Right. Right. What am I bringing to this relationship right now? And one of the things that I hear all the time from people is, well, look, I want to reconcile with the other person. They're not interested. They're just not interested anymore. They've shut down the relationship and it's over. And and my response is you can still reconcile because reconciliation ultimately is about trying to make it right, trying to make what was wrong right again. And the other person doesn't have to participate in that process for, for me to do my part right? To make right. the things that I made wrong, right again. And if, if they want to participate, great. If they don't, that's not going to stop me from doing to doing my part. We're talking with Chad Ford, author of Dangerous Love. Uh, you know, mercy is a big word for me uh, because I don't think we understand really the power of mercy. And mercy is really withholding punishment from someone who deserves it. 
right? I mean, that's really the ultimate definition of it is that I know you deserve, I know that I deserve punishment, but you withheld it from me. And it's a powerful, powerful tool. I'm going to give you a, a little example that happened to me last week where um, I, I, that it, it's, it's such a simple example, but you could just see the power of mercy. I was in the parking lot of a grocery store and a lady, um, she had, you know, you know, she was clearly, you know, she had the two little ones and she was putting them in the van and she had, she was trying to get her groceries in and the cart turned and came right into my Jeep. I mean, rolled down the hill, probably 30, 40 feet. And I mean, just smacked into my Jeep. And she looked at me, she looked at me like she was just in, like going to just burst into tears. And I rolled down my window and I said to her, I said, I think it looks okay. I said, I think we're okay here. Right? I said, have a great day. I said, do you need some help? She said, no. And she just could, she just was just like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? But I saw in that moment, just that little, her stress of the day, and she clearly felt awful, right? She didn't, right. She, she didn't want to do that, but she was, she was, you could just see she was just about to just go, I, I don't know, even, she didn't know what to say. It's like, it's, I just looked out and went, I didn't even get out of the car. I literally stuck my head out the window and went, eh, looks like it's okay. And, and she was just like, and it's really, it's powerful. Mercy is so powerful. And, and we have the ability within us to, to, to utilize our mercy. You know, and and it it can change people. I don't know what that did for her, but I I can I could tell you what if I wasn't merciful, what would have happened, right? And I and I think this is a really important point, right? And I think you hit hit on it right there at the end, right? What would have happened if you would have flown out of the car in a rage <sighs> and said, you know, what what have you done, right? Um, you know, her reaction would be probably to be immediately defensive. Sure. Um, that's not my fault. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not that big a deal, which enrages you even more. Of course, this is my baby. This is my Jeep, um, right? You know, who's going to pay for this, right. right? And we start sort of escalating it. But you turning first towards her and saying, and, and seeing her as a human being. I mean, this is a great story, right? You uh, Notice how you told the story. She was wrestling a couple of kids. She's trying to get her groceries yeah. in. That's all human stuff. We've all been there, right. right? We've all been in that situation before. It's not her fault. She wasn't being malicious. She wasn't trying to uh, have that cart, um, you know, hit your car. You you notice the look on her face oh. uh, when it happened and the sort of emotional reaction, you know, that she had. And all of that had you connected with a human being, right? Right. And who among us? And, and maybe we say, well, my cart's never hit anybody. But who among us hasn't, <laughs> in a moment where we've been overwhelmed, right. you know, made a mistake? Right. Um, and and how would we want to be treated in that moment? How right. would we want to be seen? Would we want to be seen as a person who is a little bit overwhelmed and struggling? Or right. do we want someone running out of the car at us and threatening us with a lawsuit and, you know, oh, calling police yeah. and, and everything else? And it's so fascinating to me. That if I ask anybody that, they would say, oh, man, I would want um, people to do exactly what Jay did right. um, towards me. That's what I want. But then when it's reversed and, and, and we're Jay uh, right. in, the, in the Jeep, we want justice. Right. 
Like that's, that's what we want. In, right. in fact, you know, I, I joke, I, I teach at a pretty religious university. I say, you know, how many times are we on our knees praying to God for mercy for our weaknesses, our, our <laughs> sins or whatever, and then demanding justice for our enemies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something that I see happening all over the place, but you just flipped it, right? You you were able to um, project the, the, the thou into the I. You were able to see yourself in her to the extent that you knew what you knew what the reaction was, what would be the thing that would be helpful um, to, and to help things go right. And he did it. If, um, her, I, I, I can be face. honest. Sometimes I don't do that. I don't either. Listen, I, it was one of those moments, her face, I can still see her face when it hit my car, when the basket hit my car, and it was full of groceries. When it hit my Jeep, her face was so devastated, Chad. My heart just, I didn't, I didn't want her to, I did not, I didn't want her to, I didn't want her to cry. I mean, I was like, God, this, it's just not that big of a deal. This is just, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just not a big deal. I mean, I, but man, her face, I can't, I can not forget her face because it was just, you could just tell it was just one more thing in her day. I, I, I'm sure there's probably somebody listening right now said, okay, because it wasn't that big a deal. Like you're, I I have no idea what actually happened to your Jeep, but let's assume for a minute that it it wasn't, let's say that it really wrecked your Jeep. Um, Oh, I got a scar. It has a scar by the way. Okay. It's got, Um, it's got a scar. I'm going to have to touch it up, but I mean, it's just, but let's say really wrecked it. I mean, you know, people are sitting there now, well, that's different. And, and you know, here's the interesting thing about truth, justice, and mercy my reaction doesn't have to be different than that. But maybe, but if think about that, if, if she'd really wrecked your car, right. Um, let's say uh, it was very visible to her, the serious damage here to your car or whatever, right. your reaction that way is more likely to get her to actually pay for it, to own up to it, um, to say, you know what, um, I, I'm going to do something about this. Then you flying out of the car and demanding that the other person uh, right. does that. We, we invite, this reaction in other people right. all the time, uh, right? I you you invite things to go right or things to go wrong, right. and uh, so even even for those listening and saying, well, easy enough, like there's a little scratch on his Jeep, that's not a big deal. Like you know, what if there was a thousand dollars worth of damage done, you know, to his Jeep, that would have been a bigger deal. The, the principle stands exactly the same. Yeah, my reaction, uh, it, my reaction is yeah, because my reaction, yeah. even if it would have been damage, right? I, let's say there was a bit of major damage. I was thinking about this as I was driving away. You know, the truth of the matter is, it's just a, it's just a thing. She's got, she's got these two little kids. She's trying to be a mom. She's I don't know what's going on in her day. I, I I don't know what's going on. All I know is that you know what it's, you know what I, 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 I again her face her facial expression and I was just like. I'm so glad that I wasn't my stupid self. That that's all that I was grateful for, you know, because okay. I can be stupid, like anybody else in this world. And and I was so grateful I wasn't. Let's go through a situation because last show we had some people who brought up some issues, and they say, well, how can I? How can we practice dangerous love in some of these situations? So, so let's let's do let's do uh, one real quick here. Uh, first one is. Um, married couple, uh, younger, uh, 
when I say younger, I'm going to say they're in their late 30s, mid to late 30s. And um, they're having, they're been having a number of conflicts in their marriage. And uh, she says, you know, how can, how can you talk about dangerous love? I don't trust anybody. You don't know what he's done to me. And you're expecting me to turn to him. You don't know what abusive words he said to me and to to me and to the to my kids. How do you, in your mind, in terms of dangerous love, how do you start to deal with that situation? Yeah, and, you know, the first thing I want to say is that that's a very common response that I hear, um, and it's and it, it's a a little bit of a misunderstanding of I don't literally mean dangerous. And so in other words, if you're in a dangerous relationship where you're being physically or emotionally abused um, by your partner, what I'm not saying here is, hey, stick it out. Uh, Keep getting punched in the face. Keep being belittled and ridiculed by another person. Just love them. And at some point that they'll they'll change. I actually think that the answer for that is is probably no. I can leave a relationship or draw very clear and thick boundaries in a relationship and continue to dangerously love the person that I'm with. In fact, I would argue that doing so is sometimes the most loving thing that I can do. For example, if your partner is mistreating you, they have a problem. Mm. It doesn't mean they're a monster, but they have a serious problem, a problem that you shouldn't have to deal with the consequences of anymore, but they have a problem. Staying actually allows them to continue to perpetuate the problem without consequences. Um, Leaving is a consequence uh, for that that behavior that can start to open their eyes up to what's going on. Calling the police is a consequence for that behavior. I can love someone and still call the police because they need to be stopped Mm. from the destructive behavior um, that they're doing. I can insist that before we spend another minute together, that you go into counseling or go into therapy or go into rehab. And that w- I'm literally not going to answer a phone call from you or take a text from you or anything until I see that you're putting in, in uh, some effort to change. And I can do it lovingly, not out of vengeance, not out of hatred towards the other person, because I recognize for you to be fully in a relationship there are some serious things that need to change, and I can't be the person that that takes that uh, on for you anymore. Uh, and and I think that you know you see this all the time. There's there's parents that, for example, forcibly put their child into drug rehab, and the child says, "If you loved me, you would never do such a thing. Like, why in the world would you do that? Right? If you just loved me, you'd let me stay." And the answer, I think, generally from parents is, "It's because I love you." Mm. Right. Right. That, that I'm doing this thing. And here's the thing that's so amazing about that. Because you could say, well, what does it matter? Whether I leave angry or whether I leave in love, what does it matter? And it matters everything to you, first of all, about how you're going to heal from that experience, how you're going to be able to um, interact in pre- relationships that go forward. And interestingly enough, whether you care or not, it's going to matter to them because it's going to be an invitation for them to change. When we leave in anger and frustration and revenge, we actually give them more justification. We actually help them believe that they're not the problem, that you're the problem, and that you're not the victim, but they're the victim. But when we leave in love or draw those boundaries in love, there's nothing, there's no uh, fuel for the fire um, anymore. And the only place that I can look now is inward. 
um, towards myself and it becomes invitational, this, the change. And so absolutely, I would say to that person, don't read this book and think again about soft love. And that soft love means that I just have to sit there and put up with it, that I have to just say over and over again, because I love my partner, I'm going to allow them to continue to mistreat me and the kids. Think of it as hard love. Think of it as the sort of love that says I'm going to do difficult and painful and hard things, but I'm going to do it because I see you and I see myself and I see my kids as people. And I recognize that this is not good. It's toxic for all of us. Um, right now. And so I'm going to make some really hard changes, whether you like them or not, right? I'm going to make some hard changes. And those changes, I believe, are going to allow me, my children to heal and give you space to also heal and maybe make some changes uh, in your life that either can ultimately lead to reconciliation, or even if it doesn't, even if we're never together again, that can improve your relationships going forward in your life. His name is Chad Ford. The book is titled Dangerous Love. Oh my gosh, is it isn't it amazing? It's a great book, isn't it? Oh man, it's it's fantastic. I'm just telling you folks, get yourself a copy. It's it's it, the Amazon bookstores everywhere. It's it's really that good and you're hearing how powerful he is. He's so good. And you're listening to him here on a new direction. Hey folks, new direction, my sponsor, uh, well, one of two, right? Epic physical therapy, their facility offers the most advanced top of the line equipment, including the alter G anti-gravity treadmill, right? You can just run and run and run and run without feeling the pressure on your joints. I was never much of a runner, but I mean, if I did was a runner, it would be a great thing for me, right? The Normatec compression sleeves, right? By the way, you put on those compression sleeves. It's amazing what you can do. I'm just, I'm just telling you, it's just so amazing. And then my all-time favorite is the Game Ready. It is ice, cold water, and pressure all at the same time. It just takes all the swelling out of the different parts of your body. Holy cow, I really love it. It's, it's awesome. Look, they're also got, they're also certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping. That's just a few. Look, when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, and your epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know what? Uh, they help people all over the world. And how do they do that? Well, they're independently owned and operated, and they uh, do not belong to a national company, so they have created relationships around the world with the best real estate professionals to help you sell your home or buy your home, right? And so it doesn't matter where you live. Just start with her and start with her team, and they will help find you the right professional, right, that will help you get the results you want to look for. Here's the other thing. She's also great, at the customer experience piece of it. It's how she's been in business for over 35 years. It's why she's called the legend of customer service when it comes to real estate. So when you're ready to sell your home or buy your home, don't look any further. Go to Linda Craft and Team. Just go to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here with Chad Ford and uh, his book, Dangerous Love. Chad, let's do another one of these scenarios because uh, I've had something recently come up um, again um, in in terms of a scenario that I think is all too common. And I don't know, it's hard for people to get past it. But again, it's, it's, a, it's a relationship, whether it be husband, wife, or, you know, living together situation, whatever it may be. Uh, she's done something that he doesn't like and 
now he starts looking at her phone and digging into, right? And now she feels like her trust has been violated. And then um, now he's angry, right? He's so angry, in fact, he he says, it's, it's her fault, it's her fault, it's her fault, it's her fault. Meanwhile, she's now she's gone into um, avoidance, right? She's not saying anything. She's clamming up, right? And he's and he's coming at her hard. And he cannot he cannot get there to see her as a, a thou or a human because right now she's an it, and he's fuming, angry. How do we how do we make that transition? to get from fuming angry at that person so that we can get to the reconciliation. You know, it's, um, it's interesting when I hear that and you use the word angry a lot, and, and certainly that can be an emotion. Um, but usually beyond the angry, as we get deeper, there's a, a sense of betrayal and pain. Yeah, absolutely. Right. At, absolutely. The, at the root of all pain. Yeah. We're afraid of pain. Oh, when pain comes, we, we, as human beings, we try to avoid pain, right? <laughs> Even when pain is good for it, you know, going into the gym and working out, our muscles are supposed to be sore at the end. It tells us we had a really good workout. You know, we, we avoid it. And so on one end, you've got a wife who's in a lot of pain, right? who feels that her trust has been violated. And I don't know what he found on her phone, but right. maybe there's some stuff that, that probably isn't good in a relationship that, right. that maybe is happening on the phone. Uh, but there's a lot of pain there, right? On one right. end. So any inter- engagement now with my partner who's angry and furious is just going to be more pain. So what do I do? I avoid it. I run away. Right. You've got a you've got a partner who feels betrayed, who has found stuff on the phone or whatever that that they that that's been really hurtful to them. But underneath all that anger is pain. I've been hurt by this. I've been hurt by this person, um, right? And now you have two people that are hurting. And, you know, we think about this and, you know, I, I've, you know, lived a little bit in the country for a while, you know, when animals are in pain, you know, what do they do? Uh, you know, they, they move into the corner and, you know, if anybody sort of comes at them or whatever, they lash out. Yep. And so you've got these two people that are in this immense amount of pain. And what the other thing that's really interesting about pain is when pain becomes severe, it becomes all consuming. All I can think about is my pain, yeah. not about yours. Right. I can only think about mine. Right. That's all I can deal with right now. And so I'm deeply inward. We call this sort of mindset inward because what I'm thinking about is all my pain, how you hurt me, how you didn't trust me, how you did this. And that story just tells me over and over again, you're in pain. It's the other person that's causing the pain. Um, if the other person would change, the pain would go away. Mm. But I can't engage that other person in that anymore because it's, it's just too dangerous um, to do. Now, it sounds like this, the partner is doing it the opposite way, right? I'm going to keep pushing, 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 pushing to get this person right. uh, to change. But I'm frustrated because the more I push, the more distant she becomes. Right. Right. And and so it's really interesting. The solution for both of the parties is the same, even though their actions are really different, which is that I have to start thinking about why is the other person reacting the way that they're reacting right now? Mm. Um, what what is going on there? What are their challenges, their pains, their struggles that they're going through right now? What is that like? Because that's a story that we don't tell ourselves typically when we're in conflict. And then I have to ask myself even a second, which will be painful, 
but it's the good type of pain. It's the sort of pain that's going to get you to where you want to go. Is there anything that I've done, small, medium, large, that may have added to that pain right now? Right. As, as they're suffering, do they look at me and say, you know, that thing that I said or that text that I sent or whatever it was that's adding on? And what could I do, right. small, medium, large, that could alleviate just a little bit of that pain? Uh, and and if just one of them, by the way, were to start thinking that way and just try one thing to start alleviating that pain, everything in the dynamic of that relationship will start to change. Everything will start to get to a place where we can have the honest discussions that we're probably going to have to have mm. um, to be able to talk about, you know, happened, that truth, mercy, you no know, justice, uh, you know, pattern that we talked about before. And, and, you know, I just wrote this, uh, or I recently wrote this blog about, you know, what, what do you do on Valentine's Day if Valentine's Day sucks? <laughs> and, you know, you want to give it to somebody. And, you know, but it's, you know, roses, chocolates, you know, all that sort of stuff. And to me, give them the gift of seeing them. Give them the gift of thinking about, you know, whoever that is that, that you want, you know, you want to reach out to. And ask yourself those simple questions like, what's hard for this person right now? What, what's really, what sort of weight or pain are they carrying around for the, this person right now? And is there anything that I've done to add to it? And what could I do to help just alleviate a little bit of that pain in that person? Nothing, no candy, no roses, no card, no ro- romantic dinner will have as deep an impact on, on that person than just doing that sort of simple thing. Um, and if, it, if it's done that way, it's, it changes everything. Getting past that intensity, though, yeah. you know, I mean, that, to me, because, like, you know, you when somebody's so, you know how this is. I mean, you've been, you've been part of sports. You know, when somebody's got all their juices and intensity up, there is no talking to them. Yeah. Right. And they can, and they cannot. Matter of fact, the first thing that that intense person says is, if you expect me to, if you expect me, to take a step towards her or him or whatever you got another yeah. thing coming chad yeah because i'm not um, because <laughs> i get that a lot <laughs> because i got to tell you something chad you don't know you don't know what they've done and you're right you, you're right it's pain but how do we get that because i mean there is no there's no talking to that emotional intensity rationally yeah well before i would ask them to do anything with the other person uh if it was me and i was intervening with them the first thing i'd, I'd say is you know, talk to me more about how you're feeling. Mm. Um, I try to dig deeper to get to that pain, that person, because they're much easier to talk about themselves than they are someone else right now. And then, and then I I do this little trick a lot with people and I find it really helpful when we get there. And and I'm, I'm clear that I understand them because that's important for me to understand too, where that, where they're coming from, what they're feeling, why they're feeling it. And whether I, I agree with their conclusions, I can certainly validate the emotion. If it's anger, if it's betrayal, if it's sadness, if it's fear, I can validate that sucks to feel that way right now. Right, right. And, and I'm sure that's that. And maybe even to be honest, Jay, if it's anger and aggression in the moment, now might not be the right time. Let's 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 take a walk. Right. <laughs> let's let's sit on this for a day or a week. Right. Um. You know, because that's not the moment. Right. But what I'm ultimately going to ask them is this: Is what you're doing working? Hmm. Whatever you're doing right now, mm. is it working? Is wow. it getting you the results that you want? And their answer is going to be 
No, no, it's not. And I'm so frustrated. And why won't it? And I'm saying, okay, would you be open to trying something different? Right. Um, or do you want to keep trying the thing that's not working, hoping that maybe if you do it louder or more, it's going to work? And it's amazing how often a light bulb will go on people's heads and say, okay, well, what else do you got? That's all I know. Because of how I'm feeling right now, that's all I know, right, is to do it this way. What else do you got? And then we get into that. But it's this simple thing that I'll tell people all the time, is that working? Right. And their answer is always, it's not working. Right. Right? Right. Why would we keep doing the thing that is not working, hoping that on time 10 or 11th or the 15th angry text that I sent, that's going to be the text, um, you know, it, with 10 it, F words in it, that's going to get the other person to respond positively. Okay. I'm going to give you the answer because this is the, this is the answer I get is because they, well, they don't say it, but here's what they say. It's because they're in control. They have, or perceived control, right? If they stay the aggressor, they believe that they have control. Yeah. Well, look, uh, I believe that they are in control. Um, everybody's in control of how they see other people um, and how they respond. No one. Now, think about this. This woman that had this cart that, right. that hit your Jeep, right? right. That was in, in, under your control, right? That right. that happened. Yeah. But but no one had control over your reaction, Jay. Right. Right. Your Your reaction could have been what it was which was, you know, very, you know, helpful and merciful. It could have been anger and it was through the exact same incident. Right. And who's, who was responsible for that reaction? Was that you or was that her? Oh no, it's me. It's you. It's me. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's you. Absolutely. And so when we, when we own that, that that part is in our control, I can't control what that lady does with her kids or with her grocery cart. That part I can't control. Um, right. And it hit right. my Jeep. I can't control that. But what I do next is totally in my control. That is actually power. That right. is that is a form of power that we don't recognize enough. Uh, that is is truly the, the strongest form of power that I have, because everything that you do next is going to change that entire situation for right. good or for bad. Right. And it's right. under your control, not hers um, at that moment. Uh, and. And, and, and so I would tell that person that says you want control, um, let's work on mindset because that is ultimately going to be the way that you influence someone else right? Uh, to have the reaction that you want, not threats, not force, not screaming, not the silent treatment, right. um, all the other stuff that we're going to do. That's going to influence in the wrong direction. Speaking of direction, we've been on an hour. <laughs> it's right. kind of so fast. It always goes so fast. I I asked you last time. I'm going to ask you this time, real quickly. You know, the show's called a new direction because we try to help people find a new direction in their life, career, business. Uh, Chad, you're author of Dangerous Love: Transforming Fear and Conflict at Home, Work, and in the World. What would be your new direction for the listeners out there today? Well, there it was, boy. I think boy, we segued perfectly into that at the end. Ask yourself. Am, am I getting to the destination that I want by going this way, by doing this thing, by thinking these thoughts? Is it getting me where I want to be? And if the answer is no, pick a new direction. That's awesome. I uh, pick a new direction in my thoughts, pick a new direction in my action. Uh, and, and don't keep driving down a road that is leading you to more pain, uh, more disconnection, uh, more sorrow. His name is Chad Ford. The book is entitled 
Uh, dangerous love, transforming fear and conflict at home, at work, and in the world. You know what, folks? Be inspired, because when you're inspired, you know what? means other people be inspired and they'll want to inspire others. And when that happens, the world can be an inspirational place and it's awesome. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest, another great book, and it's going to be another great show. And as I say to you every week, and you know what that is. Ciao, everybody. To go a different way, yeah. The time has come for a new direction. your confidence and the answers don't make sense you got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your time